Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So one of my favorite television shows, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I'm with friends. Um, It is The Big Bang Theory. If you're unfamiliar, it's a sitcom about a bunch of nerdy physicists and their neighbor and actress by the name of Penny. But the reason I love the show is because of one character in particular who never fails to make me laugh, and that is Dr. Sheldon Cooper. Now, Sheldon has far too many eccentricities to name, but my favorite Sheldon quirk is the way that he relates to gifts. You see, as a scientist, Sheldon is efficient and logical and calculated much like his hero, Spock. And he always keeps the relational score. And so to him, receiving a gift always feels like an obligation. I mean, the notion that one could give freely with no expectation of reciprocity, this idea just does not make sense to Sheldon. And so whenever Sheldon does receive a gift, he panics because to him, it now feels as if he is in that person's debt. And he feels this inner need to rebalance the relational score and to respond to the gift he received in a manner that is utterly and totally equal and efficient. And so, for example, when his friend Howard gives Sheldon a gift that he values at $8, Sheldon quickly pulls out his wallet, gives Howard a $10 bill and politely asks for $2 change, right? Because that balances the equation. No one is indebted to anyone else. It's a very efficient way of giving and receiving gifts. Now, to me, these recurring scenes on the show are not just funny, but they are absolutely brilliant. And they're brilliant because they reveal how uncomfortable we can all be with being a pure recipient of someone else's gift. Some friends invite you over to dinner for the second time and you have never had them over to your house. What is your very first thought? We really do need to have them over. Someone gives us a Christmas gift and didn't even occur to us to get them a card. What do we feel? a little guilt. You're expecting your first child and people just shower you with gifts. You're bloated and the nursery's not put together and you're exhausted and you're trying to wrap up work before the baby comes. If there was ever a time in your life to just relax and receive, it would be now. But we can't because there's internal pressure and external pressure that says we must write a thoughtful handwritten note for each gift we receive. Because the truth is, we all keep relational score. We know what we take in, 
and we know what we give. And when that scale is not balanced in a relationship, we get fidgety. We are efficient and logical and calculated. These are the values that to some extent we all bring to our life and that life brings to us. And they can be very hard to escape. So in today's gospel, Jesus is having dinner with some friends and they're celebrating something pretty significant, which is Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And so Lazarus thinks to himself, not sure I can match that, but the least I can do is have the guy over for dinner. Uh, And so he does, and they're all at their house. And at some point during the meal, Mary takes a pound of costly perfume, 300 denarii. This was the equivalent of someone's annual salary. And Mary pours this expensive perfume on Jesus's feet. Judas does not like what Mary does because clearly this act is so very inefficient. This perfume could have been sold and the proceeds would have fed a lot of hungry people. But to use all of it on Jesus's feet, what a waste. Now for a moment, let's go ahead and just get real. Tell me that there isn't a part of you that doesn't agree with Judas. In fact, I've got a theory that the only reason John goes out of his way to remind us uh, that Judas is a thief and a traitor is because John knows that Judas has a point and that we'd all be a little tempted to take his side because when it comes to gifts, to life, to resources, to time, to the way we spend our day, to what we value, Efficiency is king. Reciprocity is king. But the sheer lavishness of taking all that one has and spending it on a foot? I don't know about you, but this triggers my inner Sheldon Cooper. I've done the math, and the numbers don't add up. So something that social scientists are now observing is that once a technology fully enters a culture, the values of that technology infuse the culture and slowly come to replace the values of the human beings in that culture. And what is the mother of all values for machines and technology? Efficiency. Now, not once in the Bible is efficiency held up as a Christian virtue, and yet I observe that our drive to be efficient and our fear of being inefficient has never been greater. And so what marries inefficient and illogical and uncalculated act of love reminds me is that I need to repent of the way that I often make efficiency into an idol to be worshiped. Because if the love of God is anything, it is not efficient. It is not logical. It is not calculated. And it is certainly not 
deserved. No, the love of God is reckless and prodigal and lavish. It's the love of a sower that sows seed, not just in the good soil, where there's a very clear return on investment, but also on the path where the birds may eat it, and on the rocky ground where the gift might not ever take root, and amongst the thorns where the gift might get choked. It's a love where the math never adds up and where the relational score is never balanced. It's the kind of love that would take all that one has and spend it on a foot. And I'll be the very first to confess that there is something within my heart that resists this kind of love and that, quite frankly, is a little baffled by it. Because here's the thing, and I'm just being honest, as the rector of St. Michael's Episcopal Church, if Mary were to come into my office and apply for a job on our staff, I would most likely pass in favor of someone more responsible in stewarding her time and energy. Because my default state is to be very concerned with what's efficient, with what's logical and calculated. And, you know, maybe you're like me and you can hear in today's gospel an invitation to be a little bit less calculating, a little bit more wasteful with the gift of your time, your attention, your money, uh, and maybe even a call to honor and celebrate and lift up the Marys with whom you live and work. Or maybe you are a Mary And you just struggle to find your place in a culture where efficiency is the most important value. And it always feels like you're swimming upstream because that's not you. And so if that is the case, I hope you can hear in today's gospel some validation for who God created you to be. And I want you to hear me say how badly the church needs you to be you. Now, having said all that, the point of today's gospel is not that we all need to be like Mary. In fact, today's gospel is not a moral lesson at all. It's not a statement on who we should try to be, but rather a theological proclamation about who Jesus is. Because, you know, I do think that you and I are characters in today's gospel, but I really don't think that you and I are Mary. People with a capacity to be as lavish with our love every moment of every day as she was with hers. But I also don't think that we're Judas. You know, a a traitor so concerned with efficiency that we perpetually ruin the party. I read one commentary that suggested that we were Lazarus, people who had been raised from the dead and who now sit at table with Jesus, which theologically fine as far as answers go, but it's not the one I offer today. And so if we're not Mary and we're not Judas and we're not Lazarus, then who are we in today's gospel? And here's my answer to that question and It's the entire point of my sermon this morning. You and I are Jesus's feet. You and I are Jesus's feet and the very costly gift is Jesus 
himself, wasted, poured out, and utterly spent to anoint each and every one of us as God's holy people. We are Jesus' feet, the recipients of God's most lavish gift, a gift we can never begin to repay, the inefficient and illogical and uncalculated love of God broken and perpetually poured out into our lives, both the good soil and the thorns. You see, the very idea that the God we worship gives freely and continuously and lavishly out of God's abundance every moment of every day, and that God gives and God gives and God gives with no expectation of reciprocity. This idea just does not make sense. But we're here today as God's holy people, because in our heart of hearts, we believe this gospel to be true, and we want this good news to make sense, for the lavish love of God to infuse our heart and to change our behavior, so that maybe in time, our lives start to make a little less sense to our very efficient world. Amen.